It is the Matt Mosley Show on this Monday. Cool climbs. The uh, temperature's uh, been kind of nice in uh, ESPN Central Texas. Mike McGraw joining us now, Baylor men's golf coach. And, Mike, it's always fun to uh, catch up with you and uh, hope all is well. And I, anytime there's a major, and I was, I was dialed in on this PGA championship, I think of you. And um, I tell you, though, uh, Mike, it's uh, – uh, that's it's rough, isn't it, when you have to see somebody? Uh, I know uh, we'll talk about Justin Thomas, but when you see someone that has a great chance to win it, and and they they don't put their best foot forward on eighteen, that's a those leave a mark, don't they? They do, uh, Matt. Thanks for having me on today. They do, but you know, if it won't be the it's not the first time, it won't be the last time that somebody has a disaster on the last hole and. Some of the great players in history have had disasters on the last hole and overcome them. So, you know, I think he's a really good kid. I remember when he was at Texas Tech, and I think he's got a, a strong will about him. He'll be back. When you're watching that and you see him up there, and we've all now watched that tee shot a bunch that ends up over there in the water. And, well, you're from Oklahoma you know Southern Hills really well. What do you, what do you think he was trying to do? He was trying to hit, I guess, that cut shot that he'd hit the day before. But to the to the naked eye, to the 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 you know just the normal golf lover like myself, it it looked like a very strange move to put on the ball. Like I guess what I'm saying is it didn't the smooth swing that that guy had been using throughout the PGA Championship, it didn't really look like that. What 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 exactly would lead someone to try to make a, a move like that at, in, in, at such a huge time? Well, for one, it was pretty much just nerves. He had never been in that position before. If you go back, you could go back to 100 or different examples of something like that that happened. Go back to the 1990 U.S. Open um, where uh, – Hale Irwin ended up winning, but Mike Donald was literally flawless for 71 holes. He hadn't done anything wrong, and he made the worst swing of his life on the 72nd hole, made a bogey, went into a playoff, and Hale Irwin made a long putt the next day to beat him. I mean, it was just kind of fate. But I will tell you this, that shot you saw yesterday on 18, I'm kind of an expert at that. I've hit that shot before there, so (laughs) I could have explained to him exactly how to hit it. It's like he listened to me. (laughs) But I think it was nerves more than anything. It's just, you know, he was going along there great and honestly handling it fine all day long. And then uh, that's part of it. And if you look back, Justin Thomas has had a little bit of that in critical, you know, major uh, moments, maybe not in the last hole, so noticeable. But uh, we've all had it. It's all happened to everybody that's ever played the game. Yeah, I'm seeing Mickelson's, you know, the U.S. Open. Uh, making that uh, critical decision that he made, I that that's a fascinating course for a lot of reasons. What, was it sixteen or seventeen? One of those holes where they were going for it, you know. And and I mean, sometimes I'm like, why is no one laying up? And I think I think actually Pereira laid up on Saturday. You know which one I'm talking about, where they were trying yeah. to drive the hole on a par 17. four. Was which which hole is that? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. 
And uh, it's just interesting. I I think they all sort of think if they don't go for it, you know, that you you potentially lose a shot on the field right there. But the the reward risk, and that's for every golfer, I mean, all that's fascinating to me. How did you think the course played? I mean, is it – and you're good friends. In fact, uh, you helped me uh, get him on the air recently with the director of golf there at Southern Hills. You've known him for many, many years how did you feel like Southern Hills kind of held up? Because, you know, there were complaints. There always are at majors. Oh, this is that. They should have done this. But what did, uh, what, how did you think it played? Because not only have you played it, but you also remember exactly how that course was playing when it's hosted other majors. Well, it's never played like this because they had to add some tee boxes. Uh, you know, it's been 15 years since Tiger won the PGA there, and, and the game has changed. Uh, there's probably 100 players now who average uh, as long or further than Tiger was hitting it back in 2007. So it's like the game's changed. So you kind of almost have to change the golf course a little bit. So they've added some tee boxes that made it play differently than it had before. But I thought it was still re- very relevant. Anytime you have 500 par win a major, you know you've got a pretty tough test. Uh, 7,500 yards or a little, little more than 7,500 yards, par 70, is, is kind of unthinkable, honestly. That's really long. And um, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't play like it used to. It doesn't play like I, I remembered it, but it certainly plays every bit as tough as it ever has because there's just so many great players nowadays. And to think that 500 par played off for the title, that's pretty in- incredible, actually. What do you think about the weather just suddenly dipping you know oklahoma and obviously texas can be extremely hot already um when you get into late may and and then all of a sudden you're looking out there and guys are i I kept having to you know when you see a pga played in san francisco or somewhere in that area you know you're going to see pullovers how weird to see all those pullovers and guys ricky fowler who you know at one point, there was a picture of him, like, wearing gloves, you know, like, between shots. <laughs> I thought that was uh, – I mean, you. I guess you're used to some weird weather in Oklahoma, but even for Oklahoma, that was pretty weird. Well, it was. But you, if you remember, traditionally, the PGA Championship was played in August. Mm-hmm. And when they played the PGA Championship in August at Southern Hills, almost always the argument was it's way too hot. It's a fantastic golf course, but way too hot. So a few years ago, they moved the PGA to, you know, May, and uh, it was too hot about a week ago, but, boy, it did it cool off big time, and that changed the playability of the golf course for sure. Uh, kind of funny to see a major championship, not the open championship, you know, with guys with gloves on. and <laughs> some of them had stock. I mean, It was cold, and um, but anyway, great to see. You know, I love Southern Hills, always have. It's one of my favorite golf courses in the world, and uh, having grown up an hour and a half from it, you know, I have a good feeling about it. What's the best score you ever shot at Southern Hills? Uh, even par. Uh, I don't in competition. I don't think I. I don't know what I shot in casual round. I'm not sure I played very many casual rounds at Southern Hills. Um, probably competed there ten times. Never shot below even. Uh, but again, I'm working for a living for a reason, right, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason you're not, I'm working for. You're 
you're not thinking about a champion's run at some point. I mean, you still have a very youthful look. You take great care of yourself. But uh, uh, that's what that's what's funny. People sometimes think that guys that are golf coaches or people that are course pros get to play golf all the time. And the truth is, uh, Mike, like, if you had to count how many full rounds of golf you play a year, it probably wouldn't be more than like the usual, um, you know, weekend golfer or something like that, right? No, it's way less than the weekend golfer. I can tell you that. It's kind of hard for me to justify to my wife, Pam, you know, that I work all week long, all these hours, recruit, fundraise, do all these things, and then I'm going to spend five and a half or six hours on a Saturday away from her just so I can go casually play around the golf. Probably not a good idea. And um, so I, my casual golf's gone, and since I'm not competing anymore, I'm not playing that much golf. Yeah. Would she be okay if you said, hey, I'm going to play with Mosley? Mosley wants me to, to go out and look at a swing. Do you think that would, would that help at all? She would ask, how much? Is he paying you for that golf lesson? And uh, <laughs> you want to Venmo from you to her account? <laughs> I still don't understand. I <laughs> tell her, tell her I finally got PayPal figured out, and then they came with Venmo. So I might struggle. May just have to pay <laughs> straight up cash. Talking to Mike McGraw, Baylor men's golf coach on the Matt Mosley Show, ESP in Central Texas. So Justin Thomas wins his second. P, a major and second PGA championship. And, and I got to thinking about you because I thought I looked, I looked it up. I, I'm like, this guy played at Alabama and you had that one year at Alabama. And of course y'all won a national title there when you were serving as an assistant at Alabama in 2014, I believe it was, but Justin had just left uh, Tuscaloosa or just left the team uh, to turn pro what what was your but you got to spend some time with him now I, I assume you recruited him back in the day as well what do you remember about him when he was a kid because he and Spieth were big buddies and were running buddies on the AJGA um, do you remember those two and it and it at that period of time when they first got on your radar who was the better player well I saw them both about the same exact time. Uh, they were in the seventh grade, essentially. I saw Jordan in Dallas uh, playing against Taylor Gooch. You know, they were playing the final round of an AJGA event there. But I happened to be watching a, an AJGA tournament at Innisbrook in Florida, which is a really hard golf course they play the PGA Tour event on. And I saw this kid in brown slacks. And that's kind of unusual at a junior golf tournament. You know, it was a springtime tournament, so it's understandable you might have slacks on. But chocolate brown slacks in March. That was just a little different. And so I went and watched him play a few holes. I probably watched him play five or six holes that day and saw his name, but didn't think much about him. He was from Kentucky and he had kind of a fiery temper and got upset and threw his golf ball off of one green to the next hole. And, you know, it was kind of fiery competitor. It was kind of fun to watch. And then, um, two years later, uh, he was obviously, uh, a really, really, really good player on the national level. And at age 16, he made the cut in the PGA Tour event. I mean, this this was just a prodigy. You just knew he was going to be a great player. And I did recruit him. And the year I was at Alabama as an assistant coach, he was playing the Corn Ferry Tour. But he, he was in and out of Tuscaloosa the whole year. My wife fed him a few meals. And uh, it was funny because 
Coach Sewell at Alabama was real stingy with the gear, like T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and different things with that swinging elephant on it. And <laughs> one day, one day, uh, Justin came into my office and said, Coach McGraw, uh, I sure would like to have another hat and maybe a couple of T-shirts. And I said, well, well just ask Coach Sewell. He said, he's not going to give me any. I said, well, that's crazy. So I must confess in front of God and everybody here that I gave Justin Thomas some extra gear that JC will probably wouldn't have wanted me to give, but <laughs> the guy, the guy is a major champion. Come on. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. I don't know. I hope Seawall doesn't hear about this. going to be, be asking for, uh, you know, to be repaid for some of that, uh, some of that. I don't, you know, there wasn't NIL back then. <laughs> He'll laugh That's about a... it. He'll laugh. <laughs> oh man. Well, it was, uh, it, it you know, it's interesting watching that tournament because you could tell he, even though he finished and it had a great round, he thought he was one stroke short. And so he was yeah. kicking himself because he misses that 10-foot putt. Hey, let me ask you this. How difficult is that for someone's dad to be their swing coach? Because obviously they have a great, it almost seems like a friendship. They've got a really, it seems like it works for them. Um, is that one of the rare times You've seen it work, uh, and 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 what's his dad like? Is that was he heavily involved in the whole Tuscaloosa scene, and even even back then was uh, was his dad kind of always out there and around? Well, his dad was around a lot, but his dad was a, a club professional. So growing up, I mean, he might make the tournaments. His mom made every one of them pretty much, but the dad would make him when he could. And okay, uh, Mike an incredible club professional. My dad was a lifetime member of the PGA. So, you know, I know exactly where he was and he is a great instructor for Justin and understands Justin's personality. And I think it's genius that Justin hasn't gone to some swing guru someplace because his dad understands who he is as a person. And I look to another example of that would be Jim Furyk's dad. Jim Furyk has only taken golf lessons from his dad. And Jim has a very unusual move but is still playing pro golf today and is still very relevant in the game uh, with that golf swing with his dad being his only instructor. So there may be a little more genius in there than people think about. If, you know, if your dad understands the game a little bit and, and he brought you along, maybe he's the guy for you. But I do know that Justin benefits from the relationship he has with his dad. Yeah, it was fun to watch. And I thought it was nice of the dad to deflect some of the praise. And, and he, he, you probably heard this interview where he said that Bones McKay, who was caddying for Justin and also an NBC commentator, um, played a big role in uh, saying something to Justin Saturday in the sense of, you know, pray, saying, hey, don't be so hard on yourself. I, mean, it, I, I think it's amazing that these guys, as great as they are, have to be reminded sometimes. Or they have to almost have their ego stroked a little bit. And and apparent, the da- the dad said, "Hey, Bones was a better person to deliver that message to Justin than I was." And uh, it just really seemed like um, that that back and forth that uh, on the course throughout the PGA Championship was extremely important. I never know how important caddies are, uh, but in this instance, it really just seemed like Justin had a ton of trust in Bones, and then Bones obviously seems to have figured Justin's game out a lot. Well, and Bones is one of the great caddies of all time. I mean, I know he had a good bag to carry a lot of years, Phil Mickelson, but 
But he did a great job with Phil, too, because Phil was a lot to handle. I mean, Phil was a lot to handle. So Bones is sort of an amateur psychologist and psychiatrist, if you will. He, a psychiatrist, I guess he could prescribe drugs, so he shouldn't be a psychiatrist. Amateur psychologist. <laughs> and, but I think that sometimes you need that. And when I'm, a, when I'm coaching and a player is not responding to what I'm doing, I'm an idiot if I don't allow my assistant to jump in there and say a few things or have – because it doesn't matter who gives him advice or help. It matters only that he is helped and that he does get better and that the results are good. So I think his dad was smart enough to realize Bones offers a lot to his son, and that's pretty incredible. And you know of their tradition, um, Justin has given him every golf ball that he's holed out with to win a golf tournament his entire life since he was a little boy. And so he got another one yesterday. Oh man, isn't that neat? That is really cool. Yeah. Now, have you have you caddied in a PGA event before? Has any have any of your guys asked you or or some kind of professional event? Yeah, I mean, I've caddied for players through the years uh, in the U.S. Amateur, the U.S. Amateur qualifying. The only mm. professional events I've caddied in, I caddied for Kyle Jones uh, when he earned his uh, Corn Ferry PGA Tour card. He finished. Oh, I don't know, sixth or eighth or something, got his card. So I did caddy for him there. That was, I decided I didn't want to be a caddy at that point. <laughs> it was like, that's a tough job. It is a heavy golf bag and uh, it's a lot of work. And, you know, you, you're just trying to keep a player calm. That's what a college coach does, if you will. And so uh, I, I was 30 years younger. I'd, I'd really love to, I think, go out and, out and caddy for players. But right now, it's just a little in my rearview mirror. Well, you're old school. You refuse to wear shorts uh, on the course, and so that would uh, that would hurt too in some of those hot tournaments because you need to. Those guys are allowed to wear shorts now, so you would never do that, would you? No, not in a million. Not in a million. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be out there in your sleeves and your khakis and everything that would be uh although you would have been fine the weather at southern hills in that in that nice cool weather but uh well mike it was it was uh fun to get to visit with you and it's just really cool that you had that kind of uh relationship over the years with uh and like you say you love pga pros and this is a pga of america and uh this is just a huge tournament for for all those men and women who are involved. So, anyway, I knew you'd be great to talk to, and you didn't let me down, so I appreciate you. Perfect. Thanks for having me on, Matt. I always enjoy coming on your show. You bet. You bet. There he goes, Mike McGraw. I wish more people enjoyed coming on the show. Uh, it would say that, Aaron, it's rare they get off the with us and say, hey, I, I always <laughs> enjoy. No, I'm kidding. We have a lot of people who enjoy coming on with us, but Mike, is just a great one, and uh, I, I forgot to get to Aaron. Is he still on the line? <laughs> He's probably long gone. I forgot to ask you about Johnny Kiefer. Kiefer played in the. Uh, uh, he got to advance and play in the regional, and uh, and Johnny always does a good job. He opened. I'm trying to think how he finished. Anyway, Johnny uh, is. Uh, in fact, I think he's got a big Palmer Cup. Uh, coming up, and he's going to have another season with the Bears. So it'll be it'll be great. Kiefer will be the leader, and that group will be right back there in the NCAA. Oh, did you still have Mike on the line? Mike, I was just kidding. I thought I didn't know you were still on the line. I I was going to ask you, by the way, of, uh, of uh, about Johnny because Johnny got to play as an individual 
in the, at the regional, that, that's got to be an interesting process. And you've had guys that have done that over the years because you're just out there on your own. You're, you're used to kind of having your teammates and thinking about them and leading them. How did, uh, how, how did uh, 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 Johnny perform? Well, Johnny played great uh, for two of the three rounds. He shot 69 in the opening round, 75 in the middle round, which was a little bit of a struggle off the tee, and then a 69 in the final round. Uh, wow. And he did, have, uh, he did have one of his teammates, Luke Morgan, who's from Oklahoma, drove down from Guthrie, Oklahoma, to watch him play, the, uh, I believe, the middle round. Uh, so he did have some support from his teammates, which was great. And Johnny's well on his way. He's, uh, he's becoming an elite player. It's really fun to watch. Really, really fired up for him this summer to be on that Palmer Cup team, the Arnold Palmer Cup team, and it's a great honor, but it's one he earned. Do you want to? Should we go to that? Isn't remind me where that is? Isn't it? It's way off somewhere, like Switzerland or somewhere. It is. It's in Switzerland, but uh, you know, uh, gosh, I don't even think I'm going to be able to make it. I'll be recruiting. I'm I'm going out and trying to find another Johnny Kiefer. <laughs> All right, I got my eye out for you. I, so I, I'm connected to some high schools across the state, and uh, we got one right now. I got. I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it offline. But I'm, I've got always got my scout's eye out there. Uh, I and love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I, I, I'm glad you were still on the line there. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, Mike. Thanks a lot, Matt. We'll see you. You bet. There he goes, Mike McGraw.